source of true delight, whom I unseen adore. Unveil thy beauties to my sight, that I might love thee more. Oh, that I might love thee more. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding dying. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. <laughs> if you've got your own Bible, you're like, okay, well, where is that? Uh, Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 19. Yes. And I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. He's just been talking about being imprisoned and how the gospel has continued to go forth. And he's talking about his imprisonment. This will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage or boldness, Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Let us uh, go to the Lord and pray again together. Lord, we uh, come to your word and we are weak in the proclamation and the hearing of it. And Lord, we'll do nothing good except by your Spirit taking this Word and applying it to all of our hearts so that we will believe you and conform to you and live for you all the more because of what you have done in our lives today through your Word. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, It's the very hardest thing to be humble and strong, uh, to be strong and humble. But this is precisely what we can be and must be in Christ Jesus. Christ says on the one hand, apart from me, you can do nothing, not one good thing. We're absolutely helplessly dependent upon him for anything and everything. And yet, Paul, can, we can say with Paul... As we trust in him, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Could it be any more extreme? Nothing apart from him, all things through him. And so we are humble and yet we are strong in Christ. Our helpless dependence on Christ does not paralyze us. Uh, Helpless does not mean hopeless. 
We have confidence in our dependence on His forgiveness. We have confidence in His favor on our lives. We have confidence in His presence in our lives. We have confidence in His power to change our lives. And so those who are helplessly dependent on Him are wonderfully, increasingly strong in Him. In fact, you could say only the humble are strong. So, as we've seen, this has been our theme that we trust and we try. Perhaps a better title would even be the humble and strong. But this has been our theme for several weeks. How can we be helpless and yet uh, active and strong in Christ? So, we were encouraged, hopefully, in our consideration of Philippians chapter 2, this same book, uh, verse 13, where it says, None other than God himself is actively working in you to change you from the inside out, from top to bottom. That is encouraging. And then earlier in this chapter, verse 6, the good work that he has begun in you, he will complete until the day of Christ Jesus. So he's working to change your life in every way, and he will never stop changing you until the end. So though we can do nothing apart from him, we can do all things because of his unceasing passionate, great work in our lives. We're humble, we're strong. And so, knowing His work in uh, in, in us, we helpless people can be wildly courageous, hurling ourselves into the battle against sin and hurling ourselves into the development and cultivation of a character that is increasingly full of love and joy and faithfulness in all our relationships, in all our responsibilities. What a perspective for your life, that this is your life from now to the end. God, the God of the universe, actively working in you, you helplessly depending upon him, and yet because of that faith, throwing yourself into the work of Christ. And a question arose, what does this work look like? What what? What happens in us when this happens? And in earlier in chapter 1, he talked about how it had shown itself in the Philippians, their participation in the gospel, their love of the gospel, their standing for the gospel, their suffering for the gospel. And so the whole of God's work in their lives showed itself in their own knowing that gospel and treasuring it, exploring it, living it out in their lives. And We naturally uh, call to mind our own mission statement that we're nurturing a joy for loving God and loving people. How? By proclaiming and living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. When that gospel takes hold of your life, when it's proclaimed and you know it and you begin to live it out, it nurtures in you a joy that causes love to pour out to others around you. In the most difficult personal relationships in the family, to your neighbors, to the destitute in the world. That's what happens with the gospel. And of course, what is the gospel? What's the content of the gospel? Well, it's pretty simple. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. We, we know that. It's, it's the concentrated announcement of Jesus Christ, the, the declaration of all that he is, all that he has done and is doing and will do for his people. It's, it's Christ unveiled. That's what the gospel is. Which really brings us to verse 21. 
Because this being taken up with the gospel, when when God works in your heart, you're completely taken up with the gospel. Why? Because you're completely taken up with Christ. (laughs) You cannot help but be all about the gospel because the gospel is all about Christ. And that's your life. As Paul describes himself here in verse 21, for me to live is Christ. And so this gospel that sets forth Christ, this gospel that glorifies Christ, makes him known, makes him available to others so that they might treasure him. I I just love this gospel because it's all about Jesus. And that's my whole life is Christ. And the thing I want to underscore this morning in this work of God that he's bringing about in our lives is that this is, this is the end result of that work. This is what will happen. This is what it will look like. You more and more will be able to say with Paul, for me to live is Christ. And because life is Christ, to die and have him in the full, I, that's gain. That's gain. And I, and I hope that you will be encouraged that that's not something in the distance you can say, well... That was the Apostle Paul, and we admire him, you know, and we're in the bleachers, and he's out in the field, and everything's about Christ, and we're just, you know, half-hearted creatures in the stands watching this. No, this is a prescription for your life. This is a promise for your life. This is the, the blueprint for your life. This is what God is doing in your life and will do. We can, must expect nothing less than this for ourselves, that we ourselves... We'll, we'll be able to say, for me to live is Christ, therefore I treasure the gospel, I live out the gospel, I make known the gospel because I love Christ. And it's fair to say that the uh, American church is not really taken up with the gospel. We're not really sold out to the gospel. We're not treasuring the gospel and living out the gospel with joy and vigor and strength. I'm not talking about just ministers, I'm just talking about everybody. And it it being applied in the very details of your life, affecting the way you do your work with excellence and diligence, affecting the way you love your husband or wife or children, affecting the way you relate to your neighbors. To be taken up with Christ is to be taken up with the gospel which unveils Christ. Well, let's explore just briefly uh, this verse, for me to live is Christ. Uh, Again, always context is important. So we're going to ask just simply, what does Paul mean by this statement? And then what does it mean for us? So what Paul means by this statement, you have to understand verse 20. uh, He's just said, I'm encouraged. I, I, I trust in this that as always, whether I live or die, the question is, am I going to live as a result of this imprisonment or will this imprisonment mean my death? And he says, whether I live or die, Christ will be lifted up. Christ will be honored, literally made great. That is, not that I will make him great, but I will make him known. My life will make him known so that others will praise him. So that I'll make the Lord, in a sense, bright and great to eyes that would otherwise see little of him. Isn't that a cool thing to think about for yourself? I want to be used to make him great and bright and glorious to people who would otherwise think very little of him. Isn't that a privilege? That you would be the instrument of that light breaking out to somebody who would never really have thought about Christ? 
but he's glorified by you. Paul says, this is what my hope, whether I live or die, that this, this will happen. That I'll make Christ known to a larger audience. And when he says, in my body, he's just talking about his total life. So that his total existence to be an instrument to make known Christ's greatness to others. So that others would know and love and praise Christ. He says, now, why will that be? Why by life or death will I bring that glory? Because, verse 21, for me to live is Christ. Because Christ is the whole passion of my life. So, this helps us understand part of what for me to live is Christ is that I have a burning desire that I be used to make him known to others. People who otherwise wouldn't give him the time of day, but they pause and stop because something about my life, the way I spoke to them, the way I cared for them, the way I've served them, the way I befriended them, the way I responded to disaster in my own life, Difficulties in my own life, the way my family operates, the way they've seen me in conflict and yet working through that, whatever it is, exposure to me has been in some way an exposure to the glory of Christ in my life. Has that captured you as your purpose in life? And you see, if that's your purpose in life, whether your life is relatively difficult or easy really isn't the point anymore. It's that my life would be a sacrifice in God's hands to be used to make Christ known. And you talk about a reversal of goals in your life to suddenly be fixed every day with how might my life. And But talk about a noble purpose that can infuse every single thing you do with meaning. Whether we're carrying bricks in Reynosa, Mexico, 200,000 pounds of them, okay? Or you're changing your baby's diaper, or you're working in the yard, or you're doing some operation in your business, or you're reading your Bible, all is the same. That my goal is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. But Paul is saying by this, I live to serve Him. I live to commune with Him. He's the source of my life. He's the goal of my life. I do everything for Him and because of Him. And so you could say that life for Paul is so full of Christ, so occupied with Christ, Christ sums up his life. Life is Christ. To live. This verb, uh, noun he uses, to live is Christ. It's the meaning of my life. And so to know Him to experience His goodness, to become like Him, to manifest Him, to own His cause. This is my life. You could, Paul could say, I have no conception of life apart from Christ. And I want to set that before you, not as a hopeless goal, but as a certainty for your life if God is working in your life. Don't, don't push away and say, oh man, I'm so far from that. It's hopeless. It's part of his salvation. We're not, we cannot be this by nature. He has to save us. His mighty creative work has to be in our pathetic, self-centered life so that we are free to give ourselves to this glorious cause of the glory of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, he does that for us. 
We can cry out and say, Lord, save me. Bring me to that point that the Apostle Paul was brought to. Because Paul persecuted Christ. (laughs) He persecuted. He despised the name of Christ. So let's say you start right there. Okay? Just start at ground zero or below ground zero. Are you a persecutor of Christ? Do you hate the name of Christ? Okay, you're a candidate to be changed by the grace of God. Because that's where Paul started. And so, he can say, to die is gain. To die is gain because, of course... I will have even more of Christ. All the impediments. Whatever I have of life in Christ here, there's still, it's not, I'm not directly in His presence and I've I've got remaining sin in my life. There's so many things that hinder me from the full embrace and taste and, and love of Christ and I will have it to the full. So, only because, here's the interesting thing, only if Christ is your life will death be gained. Gain's not, life's not a gain. Death's not a gain for anybody else. Unless Christ is your life. If Christ is your life, then death is the gateway into the full embrace of that one that you love so much. Otherwise, it is not. It's the final loss. If you're living for anything else, any other idol, any other person, anything other than Christ, primarily, centrally, then you lose that and everything else at death. So it's all or nothing, isn't it, Christian life? Embrace Him, delight in Him, give your life to Him, and you'll have Him to the full in that last day. And so death means a greater fullness of a life that's already rich and full. Uh, to uh, Mill uh, Bear said this, uh, uh, one of the commentators, to live as Christ, therefore life is filled with heavenly blessings. Yet even for such a life, we might better say, especially for such a life, to die is gain. And I love the way uh, Mull put it. Uh, life and death then are for Paul, as he says, I'm not sure which to do, to go to be with Christ or to stay here and minister. He says, life and death, really, it's a dilemma of blessing. Blessing or blessing? (laughs) Blessing of being with Christ here or the fuller blessing there? But it's all blessing. It's all being with Christ. And so I've already touched on this, but what does it mean for us? Well, it it is a promise to the Lord and from the Lord. And I hope that you will hold this up to Him. And yes, there's agony and there will be agony to the extent at various times we have to admit to Him But be honest with him to say, Lord, I acted in such a way today that clearly demonstrated that I did not treat you as my life. I I wasn't even thinking about your will. I wasn't even thinking about manifesting you and living for you as I said those things to my wife or husband or children or whatever I did. No, Lord, but this is what you're doing in me, working in me to, to will uh, to, to want to do your will, working in me so that I will be like Paul, so that I will be able to say, for me to live is Christ. So use this as a basis for your prayer. 
Use it and expect. Be satisfied with nothing less. Make it a, a part of your prayer like in Matthew 7 where he says, How will he not give good things to those that ask? If you evil fathers know how to give good things to your uh, children, how will he not give good things to those that ask? Is this a good thing? It's the good thing. Come to him and just pray and demand almost, humbly demand, but to say, Lord, your promise is that you will work in me to give me this passion for Christ. And I just want to underscore one of the ways that this will show itself in your life. It will show itself as you are just constantly trusting him in the events of the day. As you, living for Him means that you're living in Him. You glorify Him and honor Him by entrusting your life to Him. So that you are trusting in His power to change you. You're trusting in His forgiveness. You're trusting in His favor for you. You're trusting in His pledge to, to be your shepherd. And, and it means entrusting every relationship, every difficulty, every circumstance, every loss, every benefit constantly entrusting it into the hands of Christ. And so that to me is one of the pinpoint ways that we constantly abide in him and the way that we really truly can say for me to live is Christ, for me to live is trusting in Christ, trusting in Christ. I I say that so that it won't turn into this, you know, I'm going to do everything for Jesus and, and somehow it turns out that we're just in a performance mode. We're just in a trust mode. We're in a dependence mode. And and in that way, we can say, for me to live is Christ, for me to live is to trust Him in every part of my life, to turn to Him and to expect Him to do great things in my life. And if you've never known Christ, um, I, I just call you from living for anything else. In fact, the way Paul puts it, and we'll talk about this at the Lord's Supper, but in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, He's died so that we would no longer live for ourselves, but for Him. You're either living for yourself, basically, or you're living for Christ. And I would suggest to you, the more noble, the glorious cause to live for is not just your, you and your tiny little world and what you want, but to give your life to the glorious Lord Jesus Christ who has died for sinners, that you might be forgiven and transformed. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our only hope is in Christ himself. Our only hope, Lord, is that you would forgive us, that you have died for us, that you, in you, Lord, we might be accepted by the Father, that we might enter into the presence of the Holy God unafraid, unashamed, because our sins have been taken away in Christ. And Lord, knowing that acceptance and love, knowing the presence of God and the smile and favor of God, not that we've earned, but that Christ has earned for us, that we would be transformed, that we would have a new sense of who we are in God, who we belong to, and Lord, that you would take up our cause and we would become the the workplace of your mighty power to cause us more and more to be people dedicated for the good of others and therefore more and more set free, more and more tasting not only of your love, but of your amazing joy. Oh Lord, give us more and more of this energy 
for spending ourselves for others and spending ourselves for all things good, for faithfulness and diligence and carefulness and all with a, a sense of joyous fellowship with our God. Oh, Lord, so work in us that we will uh, want to do your will and that we truly, really in our lives will accomplish your will. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Jesus, my Lord, my life, my light, oh, come with blissful rain. Break radiant through the shades of night And chase my fears away Won't you chase my fears away Then shall my soul with rapture trace The wonders of the